0: Okay, it's Arab Hanukkah. Um, This afternoon, this evening, we light, we bench the first lichl. So it's appropriate to review some of uh, some of the halachas. The time. First of all, we'll start with the time. When? What's the time? The time to light the menorah. So there are actually different customs about this. The Chabad custom is to light at shkia at sunset, which um, technically, if you want to be um, very exact, that means a few minutes after the time that's published for sunset um, on, the, on the calendars. Um, because the al writes in Seydach HaNassah's Shabbos, there's a Cheshbon of three or four minutes for the difference between um, sunset at sea level versus sunset um, higher than sea level, I mean, obviously, the higher you go, the bigger the difference is going to be. But in Shabbos, the says that we should concern ourselves with those few minutes. Um, and therefore, um, if the time—Does anybody happen to know what the time for Shkia is today in Chicago? No, You would say earliest. Time. Yeah. Uh, wait. Um, earliest time to. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> let's got Let's pull up the times over here. Because both of those are changed. Um. Sorry. What was that? I guess I'm not the only person that. So repeat that, please. Then I missed that. The barometric pressure and relative humidity also changes the time of sunset. Yes, that's true. But the, that those the, 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 that 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 can also have a difference if I m- understand correctly of a minute or two. Or maybe even less than that, and that 's why in general, whenever you see the time for for any time for starting a fast for going out of a fast for it's always a good idea to even if you know your clock is one hundred percent accurate it's always a good idea to add you know a minute or two in 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 either direction, depending on what the more stringent one would be um, to make sure we 're not getting into all of these things okay, so sunset. According to Chabad.org's Manim, sunset today in Chicago, yeah, 60645, is 4.23. It says, sunset at an earliest time to Kindle Menorah. Um, now, uh, so what I'm saying is that technically, <coughs> technically, if you want to be the best of all the uh, best, you should wait a few minutes after 4.23, you know, make it 4.26 or something like that. Um... Now, we'll get to soon what to do if you're not home at that time. Like for example, if you're not home at that time, what to do. But that's the ideal time to light the menorah. Now, there are certain prohibitions that fall into place before you have to do a certain mitzvah. So before you have a half hour before the time for Mayriv, um, it's forbidden to start a meal which, for example, we've been speaking in the Thursday night class uh, about davening mirev early on Friday night, one of the questions you get into is, now let's say nightfall is at 8 o'clock, and you daven uh, go to the 6.30 minyan, and by the time you finish Kabbalah Shabbos, and you get home, it's 7.30. Well, now you're in a problem, because at 7.30 you can't start the meal. because you're within, within half an hour before the time to, say, the Shema. And even if you don't mind early, you have to repeat the three paragraphs of Shema after nightfall. So, that's, that's parenthetically, I'm mentioning that. Same is true with B'dikus Chometz. Before the time for checking the Chometz, from half an hour earlier, there are certain prohibitions, restrictions, that fall into place, which are pretty much all designed to safeguard the mitzvah so that you don't neglect to do it. Um, in its right time, and the same holds true for lighting a menorah. So if the time for lighting the menorah is 4.23, so if I'm to do my math correctly, from 3.53 um, today, these prohibitions fall into place. And these prohibitions apply to all members of the household. The khayrah, we'll see soon. but the khayrah, all members of the household are, ha- are obligated in the mitzvah, and it would appear that all these obligations these these, um, apply to everyone. Um, we'll, re- we'll revisit that comment shortly. What are the prohibitions? So you're not allowed to start a meal. Um, What constitutes a meal? So some people are not to eat anything. Not to eat anything from that time until after they've um, lit menorah. But halakhically, the requirement is only to abstain from a meal. A meal obviously means, of course, if you wash. Um, If you can abstain from eating anything that's misonous, that's um, definitely um, recommended. Uh, you could have a fruit, a snack, anything that's nowadays very common. You can have a whole meal without washing, without having mussenas. Yeah, it used to be that bread was a staple of every meal. Um, but uh, yeah, so but it, it, nowadays, it's, even if a person is very hungry, if they could have that sort of buffer that they don't have more than two kizei and more than a kebea of mussenas, so then that's the way to do that. You're not allowed to start doing any work. Uh, now, when we say work, we don't mean um, we don't mean work like on Shabbos, like turning on, switching on and off a light. But um, household work is forbidden. You know, uh, vacuuming or, or, or uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh. Um, yeah, and similarly, even even if you're even even at work, yeah, yeah. So if, if you're already in the middle of work, so then it's different. But. Um, we wouldn't be able to start you don't start in a project to start something at that time um cooking is not included in the restriction. So if the wife wants to be preparing latkes, um, you know, at 4 o'clock to have fresh latkes or donuts um, after the time, if I recall correctly, that's okay. Another one of the restrictions is sleeping. Yeah, you're not allowed to even a, even a, even a, of course don't want to sleep for the night, that goes without saying. But even if you just want to take a nap, you're tired, you don't think, you're not allowed to sleep, you're not allowed to go to sleep um, in uh, in that time, you're not allowed to take a nap. Okay. Um, so concerning the food I said less, yeah, you ideally should avoid misoinus at all. Um uh, If you you have to have mozoimus, you can have if it's less than a kvea suda. That means even if it's two kazasim, if you're not, it's not a uh, mozoimus, that's an entire meal. Again, nowadays, that's rare that that should be an issue. Now, um, it's interesting that... In, in Hilchus B'dikus chametz, the Alter Rebbe says that you're not allowed to eat at all. <coughs> all these all these halachas seem to parallel each other. chametz, etc. So in Hilchus B'dikus chametz the Alter Rebbe says not to eat. Stop, he doesn't make any restrictions. However, the Maharil, the Alter Rebbe's brother, writes over there that the restrictions, when it comes to B'dikus chametz are parallel to the restrictions by Myrif. Now, by Myrif, those of you who are coming to the... Thursday night class will know that we don't have any Alter Rebbe Shulchan and But if you look at the Pasuk and Hilchus it it's clear that it's not a problem to have the, you know, food that's just burnt to the would be permissible. Um, now, <coughs> 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 learning, learning Torah. <coughs> so ideally you're, you're supposed to light at the time. For to if for whatever reason you're not able to, th- to light to at that time, let's say for example, without getting into Menchabar, we'll get to that soon, but let's say for example, if you're home alone and you're waiting for your family members to come home, so um, we're call to say you are allowed to learn in that half an hour, you're allowed to learn Torah in a half an hour. Once the time comes, if you can't light yet, that's you. Like I said, you're waiting for your family. So then you should learn something that's not likely to get you um, to heavily engrossed. You learn an exciting sugya where you could get engrossed and excited by it, and you could get distracted. Learn something less. Um, I don't know if "stimulating" is the right word. Some poskim say it's a time to review the laws of Hanukkah or Hanukkah-related. Um, Torah. Um, but again, we have that uh, that thing. Now, what about a shamer? What if you want to do one of these things? You want to learn Torah. You ne- there's a, there's a malachala that you need to have done right now. Uh, you need to start doing it. So you can't refrain. So, th- is, there, what about, is there an option to appoint a shamer, to appoint somebody to remind you, um, to light the menorah, right? So, in other words, I need to get this job done right now. The job is going to take me half an hour. So, might even take me an hour. So, I'm not allowed to do it, because there's a concern that I might get distracted and forget to do the mitzvah of the menorah. What if I appoint somebody as a shaymer to remind me to light the menorah? So, here's an interesting thing. Um, in Hilchas B'dikus comments, the Altareva says, Altareva Paskins that... A shomer, a shomer only, you, we only rely on a shomer ledvar mitzvah. In other words, if you need to get busy with something that's a mitzvah, and you, it's just, so then you can put a shomer, it's a mitzvah, so you have to do it, so be scared you're going to forget. So you, t- you point a shomer to remind you. But <coughs> if it's just a dvar or it's not a mitzvah, so then the sherman doesn't work and you're not allowed to do it at all until you've performed the mitzvah, in this case lighting the <coughs> menorah S- however, that's what the Alter Rebbe says by B'gillikus <coughs> chametz. however, I saw an article by Rabbi Mordechai Farkash Rabbi Mordechai Farkash is a shliach, um, in Bellevue, Washington, who I actually had the privilege of spending ten days with, and when I was a Bachar, I went to Merkoshlichus there um, it was one of the very interesting Merkoshlichus experience So Rabbi Rabbi besides being uh, the shliach of the of the town, is also a big Talmud Chachem and a So he wrote a book that I have in my office called al Ba Halacha, and in there he points to a seeming contradiction in the Alter Rebbe, where um, in Hilchus Shabbos. And now my it's, it's skipping my memory exactly what the scenario is over there. You know. So in Hilkha Shabbos yes. there's a halocha about that you're not allowed to read something to the light of a candle because there's a concern that you might if the if the flame starts to flicker, you'll <coughs> give it a little tap to bring the fuel, the oil, closer to the wick to get a smoother flame. So and also um <coughs> You're not allowed to check your clothes for lice, apparently that was a thing. Now, to check your clothes for lice or bed bugs, the same, the same concern with the candle. So, what about two people doing it together? Are you allowed to have two people learning together um, from, to the candle? Because if somebody's about to touch it, the other one will go, hey, it's Shabbos. And similarly, are you allowed to have two people checking the clothes together for lice because they'll remind each other? So,. <coughs> Are you talking about the, Shabbos candles? No, no, on Shabbos, have you're not allowed to check. If you have a candle, it has to you're not allowed to do something next to the candle that requires um, attention to detail, because if the flame flickers, you might touch it. To, it's a Mishnah, yeah? Shemiyata. That's, that's, that's a Shabbos Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a Shabbos candle. Oh. Well, it's a candle, and it's on Shabbos. It doesn't oh, it does have to be the Shabbos candle. It could be any candle. i say the Hanukkah candle. You're not allowed to use for those kinds of purposes. Correct. Yes. Candle. Yes. 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 Okay. Now. During the week, right. we're not allowed to use a Shabbos candle. So the question is. Right. For that. <coughs> so the so, so the so the question is why why does the why does the so the halakha is that the shomer for the learning you're allowed to use a shomer, Lugabi tracking for lice you're not allowed. Why not? So, one reason is that it's a mitzvah. When it comes to a mitzvah, then we rely on a shamer to learn Torah. To check for lies is not a mitzvah, so we don't rely on the shamer. Um, and Tal says, no, that's not the reason. The reason is because... When it comes to checking mm. for lice, you're going to be checking this side of the garment. No, you don't have two people checking the exact same thing. Uh, I'm ah. focusing on this side, you're focusing on that side, so distracting. Whereas with learning, as long as you're learning Bechadinyoni, you're both reading the same paragraph of the Sefer, um, so then you, you'll be able to remind each other. Oh, if you're learning together, but what if two people are just No, you're, you're not. not yes, yeah, so it has to be Taka yeah. Bechadinyoni, not uh-huh. to do and tre- Mm. So Mamelu comes out from the Taz that if I'm checking for lice and I have somebody else who's not mm-hmm. checking for lice he's just standing there to watch me that I don't <coughs> get close to the candle that would be allowed. Mm-hmm. Now the Alter Rebbe Paschen's like the Taz so there seems to be a little bit of a contradiction here that in Hunukah Shavu's Alter Rebbe Paschen's like the Taz that for an optional thing a Shemur does help and that's why he, right? But in Hilchas Pesach, by B'dikas Chametz, he says that it doesn't help only for Dvar Mitzvah. You're allowed to put the for B'dikas Chametz. So in the rest of this article, he gets into a whole more of a historical question of well which one did the Altar Abba write first? And we would always rely on the latter one, which I Alter Alterabba wrote later. That was you know he changed his mind. Hilchus, So we don't really have a, a, a final psak on this, but if a person has a need to do something and say that he'll appoint a shomer, somebody to remind him to like you know you're getting home from work late, whatever the scenario is, um, so then um, then relying uh, appointing a shomer uh... works uh, is an option now what about as i was thinking about well, what about just sending a reminder on your phone um... <coughs> so uh, i've always had this question uh, I, I don't think i've ever seen it explicitly addressed or anybody say uh, the assumption of the postman seems to be that you have to have a human shimer doesn't have to be it could that could be by phone, you could call or text a friend and say can you make sure to remind me to light the manure at this and this time wait Siri's not human? Um, we don't even know if it's a man or a woman. You can adjust it. Okay. Okay, what about... Okay, so, the Chabad custom, for example, is that women don't light their own menorah. Now, it's important to explain that, according to all opinions, everyone is equally obligated in the midst of the menorah. Everybody has, we've discussed this in the past, women have an obligation to light the menorah equal to men. The question is, and this is a matter of custom, um, do women actually light their own menorah, or do they light the menorah, or, or do they discharge their obligation by their husbands lighting the menorah? But if, for example, the husband is out of town, or the woman is out of town for that matter, so then she has to light her own menorah. Now, so the question then becomes um, we'll do these restrictions of doing housework, of eating, taking a nap? Yeah, I was once spent a few nights of Hanukkah in Chadera in Israel. And uh, we were very, very busy with Miftoim. Uh, from the in, Sheikh, in there was a powerhouse. I actually still see him by the Kindle sometimes, and we reminisce a little bit. But the uh, powerhouse, and he. Yeah, I remember Mm -hmm. one night we didn't get home till after midnight, and uh, his wife was fast asleep, and Mm. uh, he woke her up, Mm. and they let them know. We'll we'll speak about that soon, but was she allowed to go to sleep? Now, presumably, she had um, appointed a shomer. She had appointed her husband and told him to wake her up when the time comes, but. Yeah, at least in theory, uh, w- are women obligated? Now, on the one, uh, do, are women bound by by these restrictions? So, on the one hand, if a woman has an equal, uh, equal obligation to the man, so then, so then, well, if then, she's not, then the the restrictions should apply equally, right? On the other hand, if in, if in practice this woman's minhag is to be yotzeh through her husband's lighting, then she doesn't have to. Li- there's nothing that she has to fi- remember. There's no concern that she might forget something. In fact, we'll see soon that, at least strictly speaking, she doesn't even have to be present when her husband lights. Right? So, does it make sense to restrict her from eating or doing work or, or, or taking a nap if the whole reason to, for these restrictions is that lest you come to forget, well, the person who, whose responsibility it is to remember, we have to make sure he doesn't forget. But if she doesn't need to forget, need to remember... Um, yeah, but definitely, pr- practically speaking, says so, so that in a time of great need, a woman can say that these restrictions don't apply to her because she doesn't actually have the minhag of lighting. Um, in fact, it also comes up in Hilchos Mila that. Uh, you know, we don't eat before mitzvah. Before shefer, so if a person has to do a bris, so the father of the son, it's his mitzvah. So he's not allowed to eat because he has to do the mitzvah of bris, of bris mila. What about if he has a moil? So if he appoints the moil to do the to do the bris, so then so then he's appointed the shliach. So do the restrictions still apply? So that comes up. But I I wonder. I could ask Rabbi Epstein. I, I mean, now when people do bris, for example, as is common, especially in the summer in the afternoon. Uh, to, to, to cater to a bigger crowd so does, uh, do, does the father the loyal, they don't eat the whole day uh, I don't know what the, what the practice is but anyway so Shomer says that in a great time of great need a woman is allowed to do these things and definitely B'tzeruf, the heter of a Shomer right, that her husband yeah, so so my wife wants to make donuts and she wants them to be fresh so, I already said before that, I don't know if cooking is considered malacha, but let's even say you want to be mahmud that cooking is considered malacha. But you have two other heteros. One heter is that um, it's possible that the restriction doesn't apply to a woman who's not planning to light her own menorah, And B, she has a shomer that when I come home, I'm going to remind her to stop cooking because we need to go and light minera. Okay. If she herself has the minak to light her own menorah, then of course... She's on then there's no question that the restrictions apply okay now who has to be present by the can lighting the menorah etc so can, can I get a raise of hands here who lights the menorah inside and who lights by the window hands up if you light by the window <coughs> ah. it's on the seventh floor nobody can see probably Right. So that's interesting. I, I was actually considering um, doing a class on this, lighting it the, by the window or lighting inside. Um, it's a busy week for me this week, but uh, perhaps next Sunday or possibly Thursday night, we'll see how the week goes. But So the Chabad custom is actually very strongly <coughs> to not light by the window. We light by the door inside the house and nobody outside can see the menorah, and um, we're, very, we're very strict about that. Uh, We're very very particular about that. And uh, not just Chabad, most Chasidim have that minhag. In fact, there was a big Rav (laughs) in Eretz Yisrael, he was a Belze Chassid, uh, Rabbi Yeshua Eremburg. I've quoted him in this class a number of times, don't remember now in which context. Um, And he wrote a tshuva which became very controversial, where he wanted to argue that, halachically, that you're actually not yoyt to the mitzvah, if you like, by the window. So the history goes like this. The Gemara says, that you have to lie, uh, again. We'll, maybe we'll do a, a proper class on it, but just briefly, the Gemara says that you light by the by Pesach in You light by the outside door of your house, right? <coughs> if it means the door of the house or the door of the courtyard. What if you live upstairs? So then you put it by the window, and then the Gemara says, "Of <coughs> a in a time of danger." And again, there's different machlekes <coughs> amongst uh, different <coughs> which that's danger the Gemara is referring to. I think the Meiri says that it just means if the wind's going to blow it out, it's, it's the wrong climate. Um, but yeah, uh, Manichael Shulchan Yevodai, you just put it on your table and that's it. In other words, you just light inside. Um, so the question, uh, what Rabbi Ehrenberg argued was that, uh, that 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 actually this is not just a, a dispensation for the time of Takanah, but what this means is that the, the mitzvah actually changed. That the Takanus Chazal. Which originally the takana was to light outside, and then there came a time of takana, and they changed the Minag, The takana changed to light inside um, by the door. So again, well, we we could review, we could elaborate on that another time. But the, the, the so 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 if but but the, mi- the different the, there can be difference in Minhogim, There could be halachic ramifications which depend on where you light. Um, so Rabbi Ehrenberg argued that, you, that, that halachically it's a problem became very controversial. Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef, it became a whole uh, polemic. Um, so if you light inside, if you're lighting inside, so you light opposite the mezuzah. So you put the mezuzah in a doorway, um, and the Chabad uh, minak is to do it actually within, if possible, within the depth of the doorway. The mezuzah on one side, the Minutah on the other side. Actually, um uh, In my personal circumstance, um, the way my uh, apartment is set up uh, the only the only window that I have the only sorry the only door I mean the only door that 's sort of safe for me to use. Yeah, I don't want to do it, but I have a long, narrow hallway with the bedrooms. It's not safe with the kids running around. The only safe place to do it is on the door to my porch, which happens to also be a window to the street. So um, I hope mm-hmm. nobody has any chashashos that I may be deviating from the minheg of Chabad. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but if you do have such a doorway, then it's important to note that even though you, co- you call that whole thing the doorway with the sliding door, but actually the stationary panel is not a door, that's just yes. a wall. So, if you want to put it opposite the mezuzah, you put it in the middle of where the sliding door part of it ends. That's where the end of the doorway is, and that's where you should put the... Anyway. So, if... So, the, so the question becomes with Pishon We're all familiar with an integral part of the mitzvah... Oh, I shouldn't say integral. An important part of the mitzvah of Hanukkah is Pishon is the advertising... Element that we're publicizing the miracle. Now, part of the question then becomes well, if you're lighting inside, who are you publicizing the miracle to? And perhaps publicizing the miracle is not an integral part of the mitzvah, it's just a side benefit. Now, it's interesting that uh, on the one hand, in Chabad, we have the Chasidish minag of lighting inside, but on the other hand, the Rebbe Shturim, the Mifzoim, Prisomenissa, giant minerals, karta, you know, any possible way. And perhaps perhaps again, this is my own theory, take it or leave it, that l'halokha, we pass in that prisminissa, whilst it's important, it's not an integral part of the mitzvah. And therefore, even if somebody is living at home alone, and there's no family members around, they still light inside. And there's no prisminissa, or the prisminissa is only to himself. Right? But, the agenda, the sidaratum, if you could say, of prisminissa, in the spirit of the law, is uber important, significant, and that's why all the ubers have karta menorah. I mean, that's why mm. um, we, we we sort of outside of the strict, you know, we yotz to the mitzvah by lighting the menorah at home, but we do go out of a way and time and to make as much as possible sh'turim uh, tonight. There's the up menorah parade um, of. Um, that's why some people also have a minak to have a car to Menorah and drive into a garage so that they hold up traffic and everybody knows that it's Hanukkah. So um, so um, <coughs> so the question then becomes so if so, so if you're lighting out the window and you're presuming this is to the members of the street, so then that has its own challenges because first of all you know, if you're on the seventh floor, um, uh, and you're on the, you should uh, n- I'm it now. If you, One thing you should do if you're on the seventh or the sixth floor is to light at a window where you have neighbors from the next building who could see. Oh, right. So if right. you light facing the back or the front, that's not so good. If you fa- face, li- if you light f- facing the side, in your case, that would be by your porch. In your case, it probably also means by your porch. Um, My porch it, is not facing any neighbors. Yes, it is. The next, the, 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 yeah. winds, the building number four, number one. Oh, right. Right. So, and my and and my back is facing building number the one in the back. Ah, yeah, that's true. Um, So, so that's already one. The other question is, how long does the menorah have to light? We'll talk soon. How how long the menorah has to light? But at least in in theory, the shear is until so long as there's people around. Now, if you're lighting inside, so it's about the people in your house. So then. Then you just go, so, so you're, in other words, you're saying you're going based on the way it was when the Takana was instituted. So then it was half an hour, so we do half an hour. But we discussed this last year, the Bishkar your Yerushalayim was makhbit, to light the menorah the whole night until the people came back from the theater. Because there's people in the street, so it could be that if you light at the window, that it gives you a khumr that you have to make sure your menorah is burning the whole night, so long as there's people out and about. So yes. you light in the window, which way should the menorah face? In other words, when you're right, you write know, from right to left, should it be when you're facing out, right to left, or should you maybe turn around and look inward so that it faces out properly? Yes. No, that's, I've seen that discussed, I don't remember. It's interesting because the Chassidim <laughs> Shemina, many Chassidim had a menorah which has, you can see, which has like a wall behind it, like a silver menorah with like eight candles and a wall. Which kind of made it futile to light in the window because either you were lighting for them or you were lighting for yourself. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say it probably doesn't really matter because, because because the pesuminissa is not whether it's from right to left or left to right. The pesuminissa is that they see the candles and they see how many candles, perhaps. Um, Can't you light it for yourself and then turn it around so it displays outside? Well, uh, you're not really. Then, then you ruin. Then, then if the hadlock we pass the hadlock is a mitzvah. Then to move it around is not probably appropriate. I think what I've seen people who light at the window do is to light right to left for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I. Yeah, is that right? That's what I've always seen, Yeah. Or you could stand be- between the, men- the window and the
1: menorah. No, I think. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. No, I think exactly.
0: the way people do it is yeah. they light in the window right to left and, oh. yeah. Now, but but what about people who are lighting inside? And so, who's the of for? So if a per- again, if a person. Um lives alone. So then either there's no presuminissa or the Peruminissa is for themselves. I, I, I do recall seeing that if a person lives alone, then it's more important for him to light as much as possible on time. because you're not doing presuminissa for anyone. so you're just lighting the manure now because now is the time that back in the day was the time to do it. So if you're lighting at 10 o'clock at night and it becomes a little bit so if Bial in general, everybody should try to light on time, and if you're living alone, then even more important to try and make an effort um, to light on time. I mean nowadays it's not usually, the people who are lighting later, it's not allowed, you're going to dinner, you're not allowed to go to dinner before you've lit the menorah. The problem for most people is that they can't get, back, can't get out of work early, so you can't, get out, you can't get out of work. But you should, as soon as you can get out of work, get out, go home and light the menorah. Um, now, those who do have family members, so the minhag is t- that the whole family should gather around when you light the menorah um so all the children and everyone comes if but halachically it's not an absolute requirement as long as uh, you should have one or two family members your wife one of your children so th- there should be some publicity um happening yeah and definitely if you if for whatever reason you come home very late and everyone's gone to sleep you have to make sure to wake up at least i think the post can say ideally you should wake up two family members um, but strictly speaking, it's not necessary. And if, for example, you come home, and those of you who have perhaps older children, if you, if you come home and, uh, you know, you, 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 your daughter's out babysitting, she's not coming home until 10 o'clock at night. You don't wait till 10 o'clock tonight to like menorah. You like the menorah, and your wife will be there, or somebody else will be there. and right. And your daughter's yaitza, um with your menorah. She doesn't have to be... It, the, the mitzvah of the menorah is one menorah per household, right? Um, the one menorah per household, um, so goodness, So she wasn't. It doesn't mean she has to be there. There should be people present. So when you light the menorah, you make sure there's people present. But if somebody's not around, and it's going to mean you're going to wait the whole evening for her to come home, that's not appropriate. Doesn't it's matter, matter. Doesn't matter who that person is. Like you said, the like daughter. But let's say like the, the father is working till late. Does the family wait? Well, the father would usually be the one to light the menorah. If they want, if they don't want to wait, they can <coughs> light earlier, and. Uh, but then you get into the other thing, because if they're not lighting themselves, so why do they care to wait? They could rely on the, on the, on the Hetu that I said before, that the, with the combination of a Shomer and the fact that they themselves are not lighting, there's no restrictions. So they could go on with their night and do their work and eat their supper and everything. And when the father comes home, he'll be the Shomer to remind them. I think their concern is, is that they're not doing it at the time that is really allotted to lighting the, lighting the menorah. Okay, so Bob. a lot of times people will say, well, you we have to get Shkia in. You know, is it more important to wait for the whole family to be together? Or is it more you know? So it's a balancing act. Um, but I de- but definitely if, if if the father comes home and there are family members home and there are other family members who are not home, you don't need to wait for them. Light now you have family members, you have presuming and that's it. And if later when they whoever comes home, they're ready. If they want to light can they light like them? Yeah, the chayra, they can still can decide to light food without the bracha for sure, but even with the bracha, the chayra, I think. The and Chabad, the minigas that were, if possible, women don't make the bracha themselves. The rabbi said that they, they we might see the women. So the rabbi Hashab went away, and somebody else came, and the the, the, man, the women were yet to the bracha from the men or something. This I don't is remember exactly. This is but definitely sure. the case when it comes to a person's wife, right? What? That his lighting is going to be yoga, or whether she's there or not. Right? Absolutely, happen? yeah. Well, if she's, if she's out of town, maybe not. Yeah? But if she's in if she's in town and she's she's living here, she's coming home tonight, and she's in the same time zone as you, yeah, I mean, somebody asked me last week his wife's going to Israel, then it's already problematic. It's, it's night over there, it's day over here. It, by the time he lights Minerva, it's already the morning, it's past the time. How, so I told her she should light herself in Israel. Um, so what if they, uh, the women are traveling? I mean, if it's going, they're going there to stroll, fine, like you said, day, night, uh, so yeah. but what if they're traveling and they're going an hour away? And they're staying overnight or not? Yeah, they're staying overnight. So they should take them there overnight over there. uh uh-huh. um, We don't, we're not, when you make the bracha, is there any questions on, the, on that part before I move on? Okay. Um... When you make the bracha, you light the, mun- uh, the two brachas. The first night, the three brachas. You light the menorah, and then you don't ta- you don't start talking, wi- and talking includes the singing of Hanerot Halalu and until you finish lighting all the candles. So tonight's one candle. On the eighth night, you know it takes time, and everyone everyone should be quiet and just silently watch while you light o- on all the candles. Now. You to, if you have to, go, uh, if you have to go and do something, if you have to leave, so how earl, what's the earliest you could light the menorah? So really you should never go earlier than the Shkia, besides on Friday, where well you have to light earlier than Shkia, right? besides on Friday of Hanukkah, a person should never light the menorah earlier than Shkia, and even if it means that like, he's going to light the menorah and leave right away, um, that's better than lighting before Shkia. The minhag is that after you light menorah, we stay around half an hour, whatever it is. you Stay around with the menorah. If a person, if you're in a rush to leave, so two things. First of all, you could, if you're if you're able to stay for five minutes by the menorah, that's better than nothing, right? Um, you stay for a few minutes by the menorah. And what's even better is if you're able to have a show, you have somebody else to stay by the menorah. Which, besides for safety, at least it shows that you didn't just neglect the menorah the menorah has to be watched, and somebody should spend time somebody else is staying there on my behalf, I have to go if you, if it's an absolute emergency um, then after Plag HaMincha which we're discussing in, 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 the, in the Gemara class also, but Plag HaMincha today is 3.30 right? So then perhaps you could light the menorah then, then it becomes a whole question whether or not you could make a bracha. It's really best avoided. Um, And it's very important, one of the things that comes up every year, and many people don't even ask the Shaila, but it's a serious issue, people make travel plans, right? When you make your travel plans, you have to make sure that you're going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of the menorah. So either you have to take a flight that's late enough that you could light the menorah at home at Shkia and catch your flight, or Early enough that you're going to get to your destination on time to light menorah over there, right? But um, so that's, so that, so sometimes it's inconvenient and it means people have to change their vacation plans or whatever. But uh, that's what we do. We we are we are from Jews and we schedule our life around Torah mitzvahs and not vice versa. Um, so that's an important thing to remember. Um, now we are not yotz the mitzvah by lighting in shul or by attending a public menorah lighting. Um, that's a separate minnehage that we light in shul and, and other public places But that does not fulfill your obligation of lighting the menorah at home um, What about Shekhayonu? So when do we light the menorah in shul? So, so our minnehage is to light the menorah in shul after minha. Some people do it in shul after minnehage But we do it in shul after mincha. Um, so the first time you light the menorah in Shul, you're gonna, and by the way, in Shul we do say it after Prague in Shul we don't have to wait till sunset, only at home you have to wait till sunset, in Shul we light Lachat after Plagg Amincha and um, so you wait till Shkir, so, so what about Shachiyonu, so once you've said Shachiyonu for the first time you do the mitzvah, can you still do it? Sh-kh- say Shachiyonu at home, that question is only relevant tonight, the first night so the answer is no, you can't say Shachiyonu again at home, however if there are other family members at home then um, they have to say Shekhyonu or you could say Shekhyonu on their behalf, right? So ideally, the person lighting the menorah the first night in shul should be somebody who also has family members at home so that when he gets home, he can say Shekhyonu again on behalf of those family members and not get into any shavah. So I don't, I probably won't be here for (laughs) actually today but those who are here, somebody who has family members at home, a wife, children, should be the one to light the menorah the first night and the rest of the Hanukkah doesn't matter because there's no shekhiyon. Um now there's different Shittas as to when the time is like I said before, Aminig is to do Shkia some people say though, no, to light after Chesach HaKechovim, after nightfall which according to Chabad.org um, that means uh, 4.55 today no, so Aminig is to do both so again in pra- actual in practice, most of the people around this table won't be doing it this way because we have Muncha mayriv over here. But if if you're not coming to Muncha Mariv over here, so the time to light is at four twenty three or a few minutes later at shkia. But to make sure that you put enough oil to light to last for f- about fifty minutes until uh, yeah, in in actually. In, in, in this case, in Chicago, it's more like an hour, yeah, should burn for an hour, so that it lasts until half an hour after nightfall, right, so just like on Friday, you have to put, make sure you have long oil to last, it's even more than an hour, yeah, until half an hour after nightfall, so every day, if you're lighting at Shker, if you're lighting at 423, make sure you put enough oil to last until after nightfall, Half an hour after nightfall, what if you happen to for whatever reason not that da- not like the manure before 55 455 so then you'd have to have a mirror first if you like bashkia you don't da- like the manure and then you go out to my later but if you didn't like the manure before 55 then Meyeriv we learned this also in uh oh we didn't learn it yet we got to learn it uh, in in the gemara that uh you like the menorah. you that da- you daven before you light the menorah, and therefore, in, in practice, that's also um, because we had the shas. Because we have mincha and and it's not going uh, to be practical for people to come for mincha, go home and light menorah, and come back for maariv. So the mincha has become, and we just do mincha and together, and then after maariv, everybody goes home and light the menorah. But you should do it right away. And if you're not going to make it to shul, so then you should you, then you should daven mincha, go home and light menorah, and go out again, or Dava maariv later. Okay. Um... Reb Shlomizal says that if the husband's going to come home late, it's better that the wife should light on his behalf at the time of Shkia in his absence rather than him lighting later. And Be'emes does a good drive from this for the Gemara because the Gemara says that Abzera relied on the Xenoy, Yeah, He relied on his host lighting on his behalf. Um, presumably because he wasn't going to be there on time. Um, so... The mice. Uh, I don't know if people like to do this, but halachically uh, it definitely has strong ground to argue that if you're not going to be home till six o'clock, that it's better that your wife should light at four thirty. So on his behalf, meaning he doesn't have to invite it; he doesn't have an obligation. No, there's one the minour per household. Minimum. Okay. Yeah. And again, practically, personally, I wouldn't do this, but uh, don't try this at home. <laughs> but you can try it at home. Yirmshlem Zamanay Bach is a definitely you a. You a Kavanaugh that he's. With lighting form, or he does Yeah, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. Does that work with uh, daughters? Or yeah, for sure. <coughs> yeah, very yeah. A bit of bias, yeah. Mm. No, but I would tell you to, if, in other words, if you're going out early, if you're in a sticky situation where you're leaving your house before the time, and you're not going to come back till mu- very later, and people might be asleep, and you don't know if they're actually going to get up or whatever, in such a, a situation, definitely t- instruct your wife or your daughters, t- uh, whoever it is, to light on your behalf. Obviously, some of the overbar and bas mitzvah, uh, and 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 then you should sure, for sure do, do like the Zalman Abach says. Um, so do you come home and light the candles without a bracha, or you don't even light them. You know you could like without a bracha, for sure, yeah. Um, okay. Now, what's takh pshat in the minute, there's different, what's takh pshat in the minute that girls don't like? That's Chabad minhag. Um, so I saw different things, and there could be mystical reasons. I, I imagine that historically the reason is because that was just like we spoke a few weeks ago about Bas mitzvah. You know, that was just a thing. Girls were uneducated; they probably didn't know how to say the brachas. Um, there was sneer, so that, that was just the style. You know, girls didn't do things, so they didn't do things, and that remained the minhag. There's no sort of Essential reason why girls, other than the importance of minhag, which actually by Hanukkah we see very strongly the importance of maintaining the minhag, and that we still with the light inside, even though nowadays there's no danger. But those mm-hmm. whose family have the minhag, that the girls should light, you know, absolutely. Um, okay, there's all the shyness about what to do in yeshivas and seminaries if you light in the building of where, where the dining room is, if you light in the dormitory. It's I don't know if that's so interesting to people over here. Uh, um, you can ask me if it is um, now you have those candles that don't burn for half an hour <laughs> so you should avoid them but for young children well it's and some say bichlal we've discussed this in the past that they don't have to do the mitzvah properly with all the Bits and, uh, you know, bitches, because so if necessary to use those short candles, um, then it's uh, for young children, that's okay. Um, now, if you're doing time and you're going to a nursing home or a hospital or whatever, um, now usually it's difficult to do time there anyway because most of these places nowadays don't let you bring fire. Um, but if you're in a way, if you're visiting somebody in their house who's sick, yeah, so you can ha- bring the menorah to their bed. And have the the menorah and then move it away to the door or to the window as long as it's as with within as long as it's within the same room. You don't take it into another room. Um, what about electric. <coughs> I mean, if you can't do it, you can't do it. The electric without a bracha, yeah. But uh, it's not like Shabbos. That <coughs> um, the electric, obviously not LED. Electric, electric. Yeah, that actually, uh, actually has a. Yeah, you can see yeah. the filament. And yeah. Um, that's kosher? Sorry? Has it has film <coughs> kosher? Again, without a bracha, it's better it's than not nothing, if there's nothing right. else to, if, 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 if nothing else is an option. Okay, the minor the has to be higher than three Tfachim, um, which is uh, about, what is it, what's the three Tfachim, about uh, how many but inches? The, mm, yeah, a bit less, maybe yeah, ten yeah, inches, yeah, whatever ten, it is. That is about, yeah that means the flames should be higher than three him mm. if you have a big menorah, then if you put it, and it's not so respectful to put it directly on the floor, but you could put a tray underneath it or whatever mm-hmm. but ideally you find a low chair or a stool, whatever it is um, and also it should be lower than ten tfachim, I saw some people say that that doesn't mean the flame has to be lower than ten him but the base of the menorah at least should be lower than ten tfachim, which is about 30 inches mm. um, 29, 30, 31, mm. whatever um You know, that's for those who have young kids. It's also a concern. You don't want it to be too accessible. Um, hopefully, in cheder, I think they teach them a song about how fire is hot. Um, our minhag is <laughs> our minhag is not to use an oil shamash. We only we have the beeswax candle that we use to light the other candles, and that is the shamash. Uh, that's the Chabad minhag. Um, uh, the minhag seems to be that every minhag, even if everybody's lining together in the same place, each minhag should have their own shamash could be such a minhag um, should like the minhag standing up uh, like it was done in the Beis Amikdosh now, there's very interesting uh, something I just saw this year um <coughs> Do you use new wicks what w- every day do you do you use a new wick or do you reuse the old wicks now some say you know by irftshilin we say, oh you use this bread to make it ifftshi and use it for the Mishnah as well because the more mitzvahs you do with one thing the merrier All right so maybe it's better to use the same wicks again and again because you get more mitzvahs with the same item or is it more respectful to the mitzvah to have a uh, how do you call it, to have new wicks every day. There's also different minhagami, but some people marked Makbud, not to use those floating wicks because those wicks are coated with wax, which means mm-hmm. that the, we with mak- to light with olive oil and make sure that it's actually extra virgin olive oil, that's, that's, that's <coughs> not, uh, yeah. But, 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 but if you light with a wick that's coated in wax, so then the first, when you actually do the mitzvah, when you light it, that first fuel is not wax it's the wax it's not oil it's the wax mm-hmm. that's coating the candle and others I saw say well if you only have those wicks so pour some oil over it so that that should be the anyway uh, but if, if you can use just pure cotton wicks that's definitely better and I like this year I took myself a bit of a discount because of other th- other things going on but uh, I like usually to buy it to just take cotton balls and roll my own wicks so it uh, makes it extra messy and fun um, and we splash in the puddles. Um, so, so what do we do? Do we do new, new wicks or old wicks? So, the, I think there's different rishimis um, and different uh, Even even within the chabad tradition, different different um, The argument, in fa- it's interesting that. So, so what's the argument in in, in, in favor of doing new wicks every day? Besides what we just mentioned. So we know that we're lighting the menorah right? Because uh, the menorah in the Beit HaMikdosh, we say this every morning in the evening, before they lit the menorah. What did they do? They were made They cleaned it out, right? So in the Beit Mikdash they had new wicks every day. So and right, they cleaned it out. So sh- certainly we should also have new wicks every day, right? That's the argument in favor. The counter argument is that there's a famous question. Yeah, this is what you're going to say. The question of the no. Bishyosif. Yosef says, why do we have eight days of Hanukkah? Chayra. <coughs> Uh, they had enough oil for one day. They showed me seven days of Hanukkah. and there's literally thousands of answers. That actually just there's a safer with more, a collection of more than a thousand answers to the question of the Yosef. There's literally yeah. This is not not just not figuratively literally. Actually <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, many many answers to this question. One of the answers is <laughs> that when they finished lighting, the, they put in the whole oil to light the first night and then the next morning they came and they found that it was all that the oil was still there. So if that's the case, it's true that every day of the year they would clean out the whole thing and replace the wick but on Hanukkah, they were just reusing the same one they used yesterday so that could perhaps could be um, an argument in, in, in both directions. Um, Yeah, I mentioned before about not talking um, uh, man, w- w- during lagging <coughs> the if you need to talk something that's directly relevant to the manure your fire goes out and you go no, no, and nobody gets the hint, so you say bring the matches, yeah, then then you could do that um, if somebody for whatever reason doesn't like the first night if you're on time you're helping somebody else like manure and it's the third night, whatever it is, you say Shei then um if, for whatever reason, you lit more than the amount of candles you're supposed to light for that night, then you should extinguish the last one. I'd say it's so the third night you lit four candles, you extinguish the fourth one. Um, during the half an hour, if possible, should be devoted to studying Torah related to Hanukkah, telling stories, those who know how to tell children's stories. Okay. Um, we don't use the menorah for anything else on Hanukkah, besides for the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. Um, no housework is done during the half hour, again cooking is allowed, but other work should be avoided. Now, after the time, after the hour, after t- half an hour after the thing, you can move the menorah away from its place. Um, technically speaking, you could even extinguish it, but it seems that the minute is not to extinguish it, but you could, you know, if kids are running around, you want it to be safe, you could move it over to somewhere else. Um, now, what about if you're not a uh, guest and things like that? So, if if you're going to eat dinner at somebody's house, you're having a latkes and you're having a Hanukkah party at your brother-in-law's house, so then you don't live there. You live at home. You're going there for dinner. You have to make sure that before dinner, you go to <coughs> your house. So don't call a Hanukkah party for 4.30. Call your Hanukkah party for 5.30 because people need to first be at their own house to light the menorah and then go... And having a meal over there before you live in that that's the the correct way to do it is to first light the menorah in your own house and if possible be there for half an hour and uh, if it's not possible even if you're there for half an hour especially that you're not running away from the menorah, you're going to another menorah. yeah you're going to go to the party you're going to be sitting by his menorah so that's okay now if you are sleeping somewhere else Right, you're going away and you're staying over overnight. So then you're eating there and you're sleeping there. So then for tonight, that's considered your house and you light the manure over there, and also the next night. So for example, if you're going somewhere for Shabbos and uh, uh, Matzah Shabbos, you go and you're gonna have Malah Malka and at ten o'clock Matzah Shabbos, at eight o'clock, two hours after Shabbos goes out, you're gonna go home. So because you 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 slept there last night and you're spending the whole Shabbos there and even tonight you're having Malah Malka, yeah. So. For, for Shabbos, that's good enough, you can light menorah over there as well. Um, and so the can talk about what to do if you're going out of te- if you're eating somewhere um, and you're not sleeping there, but it's out of town. Which, I'm not going to get into that, in America it's not so common. You know, it's a stroll, it's common. You know, somebody will go from shalim to Kfar Chabad or something for a Hanukkah party and come back to Shalim that night. But uh, I don't think anybody here is going to Detroit for a Hanukkah party and coming back the same night. So we don't need to get into all of that. Um, um, of course, if you're lighting the menorah for time somewhere, um, like in a store or whatever, you don't make a bracha. Yeah? Public menorahs, which are in public places, many people see it, so many poskim hold that you can't make a bracha. Um, but if you just light, if you're going, if you're going on a time, you go to into a store, so you give the guy menorah time to take it home and light it at home. If for whatever reason it makes it exciting to light something in the store, so then that's a nice thing to do. But that's not the fulfillment of the mitzvah, and that's not um, the the you d- definitely don't make a bracha. Hanukkah um, gelt. Um, I think like in America, people think Hanukkah gelt means chocolate. Hanukkah gelt means money, and it's the minhag to give Hanukkah gelt. Uh, a lot it's interesting when, when i was a kid i, I guess different communities different when i was a kid everyone in shul gave me hanukkah you know not uh, 20p a pound you know that was the thing everyone was giving all the kids Hanukkah out in america you don't see that so much people give out chocolate coins um but definitely for your own children you should give hanukkah gals uh, every night some nights whatever it is And it's definitely, especially for those who have young children, it's an important time and even if you have old children, it's an important time to be mechanich them in the Jewish way of getting money, which includes giving miser to tzedakah. Um, So I'm going to conclude with muktza. What to do on Friday night. So you light the menorah on the chair or on a little table, whatever it is. And you don't want it to be the the whole day and the whole night. You want to be able to move it. So, Colzman, the flames are still burning. You can't touch it. Um, because you can't touch it. So here's the sort of the balance. On the one hand, you want to make sure you put in enough oil, and ideally the shama should be long enough that it should burn until half an hour after Teitzik coffee So if your candle lighting is at four ten, let's say this week, so you're going to light the at four o'clock, you want to make sure that it's going to burn until five twenty at least right? But, you don't want it to put burn for four hours, because by the time you make Kiddush and the Shabbos meal, you want to be able to move the menorah out of the way. Now, some people, especially if you're lighting on a window, you know, ledge or windowsill, perhaps it's less of an issue. But if you're putting it on a chair in a doorway, it could get in the way, and um, so what do you do if you want to be able to move it? So, it's an interesting thing. There's the concept of buses. Now, the truth is, if you want to really be, if, if you, if you want to move it, that means you want to pick up your chair, like in some strange way like this and move it, you can do that, no problem. It's not so practical. So there's a the concept of buses. Now, the manure itself is going to be muksa, that doesn't change. What about the chair? So the chair is also the table, whatever it is, also becomes muksa because it's there as a base, as a buses for, the, for something which is muksa. So the workaround is that you have to make it be a buses for something else as well. Now what should that other thing be? So it's interesting. Um, the other thing has to be more valuable than the mukta thing. So, well, as valuable, we're not going to get into all the, the, the halachas, of buses are very complicated, I just want to give you a little bit of a background and the practical um, application. So the way to do it, so, so if we some people say it put jewelry, you put a piece of jewelry on the chair and the jewelry is an expensive item um, and then that's no the problem. The the, 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 uh, that the problem with that method is that th- th- you can't really consider the chair to be a base for the jewelry because jewelry doesn't belong on the chair. You're just, it's like in the peanut butter, you're just putting it there. Or um, on the table. Um, so that's not really a good idea. If you put a Sefer right, you put let's say a Sefer that you use, a Siddur, you use a Tehillim, a Chomish, a Sefer that you use regularly so now first of all the Sefer is a Mitzvah so even though the menorah is also a Mitzvah, but the Sefer is a Mitzvah and by the Sefer is considered at least of equal value um, and therefore um, the chair now becomes a bossist for the Sefer as well. Now the safer is not the dream because the safer belongs in the chair, you often, on the table. You often, you'll be in the middle of the thing, you'll put down the safer mm-hmm. on the chair of the table, so that's okay. Now, the question then becomes what if you have a fancy silver menorah, which, yes, mitzvah wise, they're both a mitzvah, but financially, if you have a nice silver minera which costs a thousand dollars, then how are you going to find a safer that's worth that amount of money? So, in the lamdas, that's a good question. mice of the Minag is, and I see he brings it from Chaim Shalom to explain it, that once you're talking about a mitzvah, then the financial value becomes insignificant. But the said, that's the minera, and I believe that's what the Rebbe also did. People, after the rebel passed away, the Rebbe lit minera in his room in 770, so people were able to see um, the minera is, that you take a safer um, that's a, a safer that you use, or chumash, or tehillim, or something like that, and you put that on the chair um, where the menorah is before Shabbos, Not, not when you want to move it. You put it, it has to be there before Shabbos, so that when Shabbos comes in, this chair is now a base to the menorah and to the safer. And then, once the menorah, go, once the flames are all extinguished, you can pick up the chair and move it to wherever you want it to be.